0: You all, so this goes to you and to the team for all the hard work we put in, day in, day out. <laughs> we about to get it in, baby. Let's get it.
1: Welcome to our counter pod. Stan and I are back to break down the UCLA win provide you with a history lesson about the UW-Oregon rivalry. Tell you what to expect Saturday against a game Oregon team. I look around the college football landscape this week. Enjoy it. Welcome to uh wanna get it right, this is the this is the seventh Arkana kind of pod of uh nice. of the two thousand eighteen season. That was that was big for me. I knew I was gonna have that up and so I actually spent a good five minutes counting Today, but yeah, seven times Stan and I have got on the mic to talk about the Husky football season at various points of uh, enthused and dejected, um, and we are pretty much smack dab in the middle this week, uh, head fresh off of a, a seven-point victory in the Rose Bowl at UCLA, uh, the first such victory since 1995. Uh, pretty crazy. You were there for it, man. How was how was the Rose Bowl?
0: I mean, the Rose Bowl is the Rose Bowl, you know, it's it's... It is basically Mecca for me, mm-hmm. so uh, it was nice to be there. I've only been there twice, neither of which were for an actual Rose Bowl game, but for a UWCLA game. game. Mm-hmm. Um, the atmosphere in there was honestly pretty poor. There was only 51,000 people in a 92,000-seat stadium, so um, yeah, it wasn't the greatest, but uh, I mean, you're still seeing... You're st- seeing a game at the Rose Bowl, so there's a lot worse venues you could be watching a UW football game at.
1: For sure, yeah, I went in '01 for the uh, for the Rose Bowl, and I was uh, all of eight years old and fresh off of being too scared yep. to ride anything at Disneyland, so I was uh, a completely different person <laughs> back then. But it was still still meant a lot to me. Uh, in that game, saw Drew Brees uh, lose to Marcus Tuaasipo, and Drew Brees is now the all-time leader in passing yards. Who to thunk uh, coming from that? Uh, pretty wild um, situation mm-hmm. there, uh, seeing how his career has developed. But that is not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the uh, the current iteration of the University of Washington Huskies. Uh, we'll start off with four downs, as we always do. And you're going to lead us off talking about how uh, the Pac-12 is uh, weird, right? Very, very bonkers yeah, for, the, for the conference.
0: Yeah, it's just pretty chaotic. I mean, we still don't know a whole lot about this conference. I mean... Is Stanford good? I mean, doesn't look like it after this past weekend. But is Utah good? Because I didn't think they were that good until that win. Mm-hmm. And then you have USC, who's kind of, you know, it's one week they're they're looking good. The next week they barely really sneak it out a win against WSU. But then it's like, okay, is WSU good? Um, I it's and then you have Colorado, who is ranked eleventh in the preseason Pac-12 media poll. poll. Now they're five and zero. With a chance to go top fifteen nationally, probably if they pull off a win against USC this week, which they are capable of doing. Sure. Um, I think it's only I think it's a seven point line to the to the Trojans right now, but they are the home team. But still, I mean, and then you got the Huskies who are supposed to be you know the top of the conference, um, and then they go into Los Angeles and can only beat a zero four UCLA team by seven. Um, so it's just I don't really know what to make of this season. Um, It seems like the chances of a Pac-12 team making the college football playoff uh, is dwindling as the weeks go by. Not necessarily because the Huskies are doing anything to really hurt them. Uh, More so, teams around us that would help us are not really doing well. Stanford losing hurts us. Notre Dame winning hurts us. Clemson still winning hurts us. Mm -hmm. Um, Things of that nature. So it's looking more and more like Pac-12 won't have a team in the college football playoff uh, this season, which would be the second season in a row. But uh, like I've said many weeks prior, there's still a lot of football to play and it should be interesting to see how this shakes out in the uh, wild, wild west, so to speak.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think that, uh, that, as as we're kind of learning with with um, the college football playoff, is that that playoff or parity is the enemy of playoff. So if your conference has parity in that you're playing teams that have kind of beat each other and cannibalized each other often, as uh, the Huskies will uh, by the time that they're done with this season, um, it it doesn't really make for a good uh, narrative because the the you know the teams that are supposed to be the ten win teams that you're beating now become nine and eight win teams, and it just doesn't add to your um, you know high high caliber quality wins, um, which is what we're seeing with Stanford and even if UW is able to beat Oregon this week. Oregon still has to uh, to persevere through the rest of the conference and and you know could end up blowing a couple games down the road. Um, so the parody in the conference is kind of um, kind of a letdown in that respect, but it is good. I think that you know you think about Arizona and Cal, the two narratives uh, they they played last week. Arizona starts mm-hmm. off horrible. Um, you know, can't get going just is embarrassed in Houston. Uh, and then Cal is three, and beats North Carolina, beats BYU. Uh, and then they play each other last week and Cal just completely chunks it. And Arizona looks, um, you know, like they'll be back in a bowl game eventually. So it's, it's, um, it's, it's good and bad in that the conference has, you know, a, a, a lot more compelling teams than, uh, you know, just, we just kind of thought it was a two or three sure. team conference before the, the year started. Uh, however, that uh, that cannibalization is is definitely working against UW and even UCLA. I mean UCLA is zero and five now, but the the, the teams they've played have are a, a twenty five and three combined record. Uh, they're ba- basically playing a top twenty five team every week in terms of S and P ratings. Uh, that's tough to get a program going. And and we saw yeah, it, and we saw it on Saturday. That's a, that's a, that's a team exactly. with plenty of talent.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I was just gonna say. I mean, like. It was a 21 point line and it seemed everybody seemed like it was going to be just a walk in the park and I did as well but there was some always something in the back of my mind just because you're playing a LA school and you know the amount of talent that that roster is going to hold And uh, it turned out to be a much closer game than any of us would have liked. So, uh, yeah, you just really don't know what's going to happen week in and week out. Like we could go into this Oregon game and lose by two touchdowns or we can beat them by 50. And I like wouldn't necessarily be. Well, let's not say 50, but like 24. And I wouldn't be that amazed by either one. Yeah, it's just it's just weird.
1: Yeah, and part of that, I think, is that UW hasn't put together a complete game. Um, and we saw that on full display against UCLA. So that'll move us to our mm. second down, where it's really the tale of two halves. And I, I watched them as two halves. My my travels on Saturday uh, only allowed me to watch the second half, really. And then I just uh, rewatched the first half earlier this week. And it's, it's two different games. That first half, that offense, uh, the UW offense looks incredible. Able to move the ball at will, um, save for an interception by Jake Browning. And then that UCLA defense or UCLA offense looks like it's just sputtering, um, and kind of can make some throws down the field, um, and and the running game is opening up some holes, but not to the g- degree it was in the second half. Uh, so it's a twenty four seven game at half, and obviously the the Bruins win that second half seventeen to seven. But just kind of talking defensively about the the that performance in the second half, because if I'm if I'm trying to capture the biggest gripe in the the UW football sphere, it's it's kind of that defensive performance, and it was. Um, almost, uh, you know, no one, I don't think Peterson or anyone was was talking about the effort. It was just kind of a weird, um, just not able to get off the field performance against UCLA. Uh, what did you see? Because I think we had kind of uh, a, a similar view of that in the, the defensive line was kind of the catalyst for UCLA being able to get things going in the second half.
0: Yeah, you'll hear the football adage brought up so many times that, you know, you win and die in the trenches. And I thought that was pretty apparent on the defensive side of the ball, at least this past weekend. Uh, We weren't able to get really any push defensively up front, uh, weren't really able to rush. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson into some of the poor mistakes he's made previously in the season, and it showed. Um, UCLA was able to move the ball better than any team we've faced so far this season. Um, they had some absolutely backbreaking drives to begin that second ha- uh, second half. They scored a field goal, and then they had a 17-play drive for 90 yards. I think I think the end of the first or end of the third quarter or in the third quarter, uh, UCLA had something like 27. Uh, plays to our seven it was just absurd and that was a complete opposite of the first half where we had like double or three times as many plays as they did so um like you said tail of two halves but yeah if you're if your defensive line can't get a good pre- get good pressure on the quarterback um, that's just going to set yourself up for disaster on all fronts. Um, going moving into the uh, linebacking core and secondary, for sure. And then let's you know, Chip Kelly
1: was is less than five or six years removed from absolutely torching this entire conference um, from his offensive mm-hmm. uh, mastermind. So I'm not terribly surprised that given a quarterback of of DTR's talent with UCLA um, and his acumen, uh, Chip Kelly's that is, that they can put something together there. That being said, I think that. A lot of what they were doing was by design to try and beat UW in the only way that you can, which is getting off quick throws. Um, Kevin Clark for The Ringer wrote an article about in the NFL how you basically have two seconds as a defensive line uh, to get to the quarterback. And if you don't do that, then it's a a blown play and, and you didn't provide enough pressure, as evidenced by the Brandon Graham sack against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Like, even the, the uh, DTR first pick that he threw, there the was a, the tip to uh, to Rapp for the interception. That's a two-second play. And so, I mean, everything that they were throwing there was uh, before pressure or evading pressure. And it just kind of wasn't a conducive situation for, for UW to get home. That being said, through six games, eight sacks, six by defensive backs, four by Taylor Rapp, two by Miles Bryant— um, and none by linebackers, only two by UW defensive line. So, um, yeah, it's mm-hmm. kind of the way football's going is, you know, teams aren't sitting back and, and you know, being dropped back in the pocket for five seconds then letting it rip. Um, It's a lot more quick pace, you know, get guy open, uh, throw that direction. But it's still got to happen because other teams are doing it. Oregon has 15 and a half sacks this year, uh, so to only have eight in a lot of games where teams are throwing heavily against UW, um, it's... it's it's not
0: great. And and to compare, uh, you said two sacks by the defensive line so far through the first six games. We had 10 by the defensive line through six games last season. I know there's, there's Vita Vea in there, but uh, I don't really know if Vita really led that charge defensively from a sack standpoint. So... Uh, yeah, we're not on the same pace as we were last year, but hopefully they can turn things around around here in the second half.
1: Yeah, it was it was just not a great overall uh, defensive performance in that second half. I mean, the, the tackles on the Caleb Wilson touchdown were just just mm-hmm. not not there. But that goes hand in hand with what you were talking about the, the back breaking long drives. Peterson even said it's just hard. You know, when you're having to go sideline to sideline for over ten fifteen plays, you're just not going to be able to wrap up. Um, so, I mean. Mm-hmm. It's, it's there and you can diagnose everything as like, this is why this happened. This is why this happened. Um, but at some point the results have to show. And, uh, that's what I worry about with this UW defense in that game. A f- week, uh, a week after we were talking about them as, uh, are they better than the 91 defense? And, and, <laughs> yeah, I got happens. bigger Um, so, yeah. so yeah, that was funny. Uh, all right, let's move on to to the offensive side of the ball. Defense is still a little up in the air. Plenty of uh, sound fundamentals there, but um, see if they can put it together on Saturday. On offense, Miles Gaskin had 31 touches on the game for 130 yards. Uh, very workmanlike performance. Two touchdowns. Got involved in the Wildcat on big sweep plays. Uh, Designed routes. He was running right out of the backfield for to get open as a receiver. Uh, he did everything, and it was it was huge to that offense, and has been huge to this offense for four years. I, it's time to start like really thinking that Miles Gaskin is going to be be like one of the greatest Huskies of all time.
0: Yeah, I mean, this was his twenty second hundred yard rushing game, which set a new uh, school record um it's just incredible what this guy is doing I mean albeit he averaged under five yards of carry I think he was like at 4.3 which you know it's that works that's great usually we see around six with him um but with that said I thought his grittiness and and everything around surrounding that was just incredible and um you could tell that he was struggling a bit at the end um I couldn't really see it on the field, but from what you guys were telling me over text, it looks like he was grimacing the whole way down on those final few drives. But with that said, uh, Sean McGrew came in and had some huge carries for us to seal the game. So uh, as a whole, I think... Even though the running backs struggled from uh, comparatively in our to our previous games, at the same time, I thought they came up big in some crucial situations. Yeah, everything you
1: just said is is perfect. In that that you know, Gaskin was was huge and and hasn't really had that explosive um, you know game where he's averaging. You know, seven or eight yards a pop and this year has been uh, much more of, of a grind and I think that that's just kind of um, a, a stabling force for this offense as they try and figure out the the play calling situation and all that good stuff talking about mm-hmm. the injury specifically it's the second time this season that Gaskin has kind of you know thrown off a, a substitute coming in after he shows visible signs of pain. Both times it looked like it was either his arm or his shoulder. Uh, This game, he was really grimacing after a play and just just, said, said, get off, it's not happening, which is, you know, funny, brave, um, you know, tough. You can say whatever you want. And I I do think all of that is true as long as we're talking about an extremity and not, you know, a brain. However, I hope Mm -hmm. that Miles Gaskin understands that, that, and everyone involved in this program understands that, um, you know, get it getting out and uh preserving his his long term health and preserving preserving his status as a as a prospective NFL draft pick is is really what's important uh for his for his future given that he's built up so much equity with this program for how well he's done. Mm-hmm. Um so that's that's kind of where I was at is like is it toughness or is it just Gaskin with a little bit, you know uh, of 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 pride setting in of of over what he's you know probably rationally should do of getting out of the game you never know. I'm not, I'm not miles. I don't have his, his pain threshold. I don't have um, anywhere close to that, obviously, but, um, but I just hope that, uh, you know, he, he came back this season specifically with a great quote. He said, I just want to play with my bros, which is awesome. And I, I I really appreciate that as a, as a UW fan, but I just hope that uh, his, his NFL future is never put in jeopardy by any decision that he does this year.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a good point, a very valid point. At the same time, you're talking about a incredibly fierce competitor, and mm-hmm. I'm sure that is one of the furthest things from his mind that there is. You know, um, it, it is true. I mean, every hit he's taking this year is a hit that a player of his stature probably would be taking in the NFL. Um, but at the same time, he is husky through and through, and he doesn't. I'm sure he is not really thinking about that at all. He's just trying to get the job done and get that. Uh, W for the Huskies. So, um, can't say enough about the guy. I can't imagine where we would be in the running game without him this season. And, uh, I'm looking forward to that game where he just pops it off and goes for over 200 that we've seen a few times in his career.
1: Let's hope it's Saturday. And I have, I have some feelings that it might be, but we'll talk about those in just a little bit talking Mm -hmm. about the UW Oregon, uh, 28 or 2018 version in just a second. Uh, but, for fourth down, we're going to talk about the history of this rivalry, and I'll give you a, a brief history lesson here. The first 88 years of the rivalry, it's UW being up 53-30 to 30, uh, with five ties dispersed in there. And then from 1989 to 1993 especially, Don James, UW teams kick Oregon's ass over and over and over. And then... 1994 happens. Uh, do you want to run people through 1994? Is it is it blocked out of your mind? No, because neither of no, us will I remember don't. it. But uh, it's 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 a seminal year for this rivalry.
0: E- you're gonna really make me repeat this. <laughs> I mean, I can if you, if
1: you really don't want to. <laughs> uh,
0: I, I can run it. I mean, just basically, it's the pick, the Kenny Wheaton pick, and my dad t- talks about it to this day. He's like, I can see Kenny Wheaton in my head just running straight at me down from the uh, from the far end zone. It's just intercepted. I don't I don't know who was who was the quarterback at the time, but they it was won on a Damon Hewitts. Yeah, yeah, and from then on, it's like they realize, oh, we have a football team like we can play. Mm-hmm. So, um they went on let's see they won t- uh 12 of the last 14 games with with us winning the last two, but they had that 12 game winning streak um for a while there which was just probably <laughs> one of the worst things in my life during those 12 years. The average so, score of those 12 games, do you want to do you want that or or do you have a, a, yeah, a bad, I mean, a bad close... on listeners I'll <laughs> close my ears.
1: It was uh, it wasn't actually that bad. I think there's a few misnomer scores in there. But an average score over those twelve years of UW losing every single game by a score of forty-two to eighteen, it was tough. Man, yeah, it
0: was. When's it- the last time UW gave up forty-two points? I can't spend a couple years at least.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I would have to <laughs> to think about that. Um, yeah, yeah, because I wasn't in the Penn State game. But yeah, after after the Kenny Wheaton uh, pick six, Oregon wins seventeen of the next twenty-three years, including those twelve straight. Uh, but then two years ago, you were there for it. Uh, quite the seminal moment in the rivalry, turning the page back uh, to UW. Uh, the points, the Jake Browning finger point at the at the, the Oregon Webfoots defender uh, as they win 70 to 21 in Autzen Stadium. And then last year, late a thumping, 38 to 3. It is it is a rivalry filled with uh, with just bitter hatred. And it's um, it's it's kind of. I don't know from from a U Oregon like school perspective. It's like this grungy, small like you know safety school versus like this you know like bigger uh, institution big town school. Exactly, yeah. big city. Um, Eugene's small. Eugene is small as hell, and their campus looks like a freaking uh, um, spaceship graveyard. Would be what I would.
0: Re- 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 well, their facilities look amazing though. Yeah, I mean, if it's, it's a business like, school, or it's like walking facility, through.
1: It's it's nice, and then the rest of it looks like a, yeah. um, a 1930s like <laughs> all boys school. It's, Ford it's, film, <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. It's weird.
0: Um, so yeah, it, do you know how this started? Do you know how the rivalry started? The the hatred between the two schools. Is there a specific ha- answer? Oh yeah, Hell oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, give it to us. I, I have I have the the info, the info on this. Okay, so they started playing regularly around 1900, but in 1948 is when this really kicked off. Basically. Oregon and California both went undefeated in, in the uh, what was the Pacific Coast Conference at the time. There was 10 schools, which included Idaho and Montana. Um, California was undefeated overall um, in the conference as well as Oregon. But Oregon had a loss non-conference against Michigan, which they the M- Michigan Wolverines ended up being the national champions that year. Um, plus, the Ducks had seven victories in conference versus Cal six. I don't know how that happens, but I mean— they're both undefeated. They ended up playing one more game for some reason in conference, but uh, they basically couldn't decide who was going to go to the Rose Bowl and, and represent the uh, the Pat or the PCC, as they say. So uh, the the conference opted for a tiebreaker vote, and it was expected that there was going to be a five five tie, given the uh, split between the teams in the North versus the South geographically. But UW was able to persuade Montana to vote for California instead of Oregon, and California went to the Rose Bowl. And since that day, Oregon fans have despised UW, and it's just snowballed for many years into what it is today, um, which is a fierce rivalry, a rivalry that um, David Shaw this week actually called the nastiest rivalry in the conference. So uh, I thought that was pretty interesting and um as much as I hate losing the organ, I wouldn't have it any other way because I think it is great for the two schools just to have that back and forth
1: That was phenomenal i i had did not know that um that it was yeah it was due to a specific original sin like that um it's it's also funny that Shaw has an opinion on that considering he's never been on a sideline more than likely but for a UW uh an Oregon game having not coached at either school or gone to either school
0: (laughs) yeah it was on the broadcast the Utah Stanford broadcast that I saw that but uh what's what's also great about that is um I I like I don't think Oregon went to a Rose Bowl any time around like they've only been to the Rose bowl f- a couple times. Let's mm-hmm. see. 19 like, yeah, I was 48 was. Yeah. 1958. And then they didn't go until 95. So like, it's not like they're going to Rose bowls as many times as UW was. So that one hurts even more. Yeah. And even though the, the 12
1: straight um, from, from 2004 to 2016 was just kind of, I mean, at the absolute nadir of the UW football program, as we've, detailed plenty of times about the tyron willingham era is right when oregon is ascending into a national power um and as you know it's chipping away chipping away chipping away getting back to respectability oregon is even better and now they're playing national championship games so uh it's it's been a rivalry that's taken you know kind of its big big turns um but but it is a great one uh any favorite moments um from from your from yourself about about the rivalry
0: I mean the obvious one here is 2016 being down in Eugene and seeing a 70-21 just shellacking of the Ducks. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh yeah it was it was beautiful to see that stadium half empty by the end of the game. Um but there's also been some bad ones. Um my family used to go down there every other year. We would, we would, oh we would go to either the away Oregon State or away Oregon game each season and uh just a lot of bad things with the fans down there. You know, we had our tires slashed one year been Did you really? spit on. I was like, yeah, yeah. We got our tires slashed one year. Um, I was, I was really young and got spit on by a grown adult, like just really bad stuff. So my dad and, and the people we, uh, tailgate with refused to go down anymore. So when I went down two years ago, I went with, with a couple buddies, not, not with my dad, which I usually <laughs> see games with. So, uh, yeah, so there's good and bad, but, you know, that's what the rivalry is. There's a lot of hatred, and um, I think, like I said previously, I think all in all, it's good for the game.
1: Yeah, I, I was, I mean, I remember as a kid, I never went down to Eugene, um, but I remember as a kid, my, my dad gave me a bunch of, of uh, or my mom actually, I think, gave me a bunch of UW stickers, and she just said, put them on as many Oregon fans' backs or, like, legs as you could, because I was, I was pretty small. <laughs> um, so walking around Husky Stadium, doing that as, you know, this nice. was as we were losing Lots or buy lots to, sure. to Oregon. Remember that um, at the old Husky stadium where the urinal was just a wall uh, having the rubber ducks <laughs> lining the, um, the trough lining the trough was was always a, a fun time as a kid. Uh, but the one that I mean, they still have that,
0: by the way. Oh yeah. The trough. Yeah. On on the on the old side. Not but anyways. Right. Continue.
1: But not the the tiled spectacle that it used to be. Um yes. Where you didn't know <laughs> if it was yellow tile or just had been stained from from decades of <laughs> of, uh, of oh, oh. But um yeah, so the my, my favorite though and we'll move on to to the the current iteration now, but the my favorite was in 2003 um Oregon was up 10 nothing at Husky Stadium and then uh you know it comes back to win 42 to 10. Yeah. Shelton Sampson runs for three yep. touchdowns. Uh Shelton Kenny Sampson. James. Kenny James is involved. Uh Shelton Sampson had had dreads as did Isaiah Standback and Charles Frederick and after Shelton Sampson scores on a 77-yard touchdown uh to put him up 42 to 10 uh Frederick stand and Samson were shaking their dreads uh all in one one just head banging circle on the sideline um that was a truly <laughs> awesome iconic moment that I remember as it happened seeing that on the husky Tron and then watching it on ESPN um, on sports center the rest of the That's night awesome. afterwards um yeah some some good times built into this rivalry hopefully there's, we have there's some- also
0: the Go ahead. There's also the dancing on the O with Rick Neuheisel. That, that was the I think previous year. as well. Yeah, yep. that's a big moment in the rivalry as well.
1: 2002. But, yep. So it's it's um it's there's a lot of a uh, lot of back and forth and and I know that this game uh, means a lot as as much as coaches will try and downplay it as Chris Peterson has. That moves us to the one big question this week, which uh, I'm you know as Auburn is looking absolutely. Um, atrocious against the likes of Mississippi state and losing. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about this Oregon offense and how quickly they can put up points and how good they looked at times
0: against Stanford. And my question is Oregon's better than Auburn, huh? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, by the rankings they are, um, whether or not in, in total, they are or not is another question. Um, I guess, I guess the only way to kind of break this down is just to talk about what Oregon has done. Um, because we kind of know what Auburn's done. Um, they've progressively gotten worse and worse as the season's gone on. After beating the uh, beating the Huskies by five in week one, they now have what t- two losses. So, mm-hmm. um, but Oregon Oregon had probably the easiest non conference schedule in the country, arguably the easiest um, against Bowling Green, Portland State, and San Jose State. Um, at the same time, though, they did win those games handily as they should have. Uh, then they went in and lost to Stanford. Well, it was at home, but they lost to Stanford by seven in overtime and they beat Cal, uh, pretty handily, I think two weeks ago. So it's, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't really know because Stanford just lost to Utah by quite a bit. So it just goes back to my, our first down, which is what is this PAC 12 conference? Um, mm-hmm. what we do know is Justin Herbert is the real deal. He's going to be a top 15 pick next, uh, in the next NFL draft. Um, you might have to take out the the one one
1: digit from that (laughs) might be, might be top top five five five.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was just being conservative, I guess there, but, uh, I mean, it's a talented roster. They've, they're recruiting well last season. Currently they lead the conference in recruiting for this upcoming class. Um, So that's look, they're definitely trending upwards. So I think, I think they are better than Auburn, to be honest. I think this is, this is ending up to be a bigger game than the Auburn game in some respects. Um, I mean that, that can, it can be argued until, you know, the end of time probably, but uh, no, this is a big game. This is just as big as Auburn, I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, The Oregon team comes in at 16th in S and P on offense, just kind of the, you know, a total, um, you know, how explosive they are, how, how efficient they are, all that good stuff we've talked about before. 16th in the country in that regard, 80th on defense. Um, so it's mm, it's definitely okay. a team that, that is uh, not completely lopsided, but a team that would much rather have the ball than, than have to defend it, um, which is, you know, most mm. teams in college football, but that's a different story. Uh, on on the style side for Oregon, three four defense, uh, not unlike what UW throws throws at you. Fifteen and a half sacks out of that defense, uh, very swarming, lots of pressure. Um, got you know some good edge guys to bring that. Jim Levitt, their defensive coordinator, is the yep. highest paid coordinator in the conference. That is more than Jimmy Lake, despite the race um, for Jimmy Lake. So uh, interesting t- to note that they are paying a guy almost two million dollars to be 80th in the country in defense.
0: Um, but former, yeah. uh, Colorado DC, just so you know, remember when Colorado was pretty good two years ago, I think he was yeah. the DC there. So they snapped him up from the buffs.
1: Yeah. And you'd have home 40 on them in the Pac-12 championship. But yeah, it's, uh, interesting, yep. interesting <laughs> course for, for Levitt there on offense. Uh, Oregon is what we call a clapping offense out of the Jonathan oh, Smith yeah. tree. So you'll hear a lot of, uh, mm-hmm. Justin Herbert's clapping ability, um, between every, every nice. play. Uh, run, per, run first. Uh, got a good stable of backs there. Um, one note here. Pistol. Yep, yep, some pistol stuff. UCLA was seven of ten on third down in the second half against UW, and that's partly why those drives are so long. Oregon is second behind UW in, in the Pac-12 on third down offense. So if it's uh, you know if it's any any concern that that UW wasn't able to get off the field in the second half, well, Oregon is statistically better at doing that than UCLA was heading into that game so um, a little concerning there that 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 UW offense is not designed to uh, to get off the field um, against against that Oregon team
0: yeah and talking about concerns I think another concern here is the fact that uh, Oregon had a bye week this past weekend which uh, cannot emphasize enough how big that is from an Oregon standpoint to have two weeks to prepare for a team it's honestly a bit unfair it's just how the schedule breaks down I guess but um, they will have they will be prepared for this one so uh, we really got to hope that last weekend was a bit of an eye-opener to the Huskies and they come in with a bit more fire than they did this past Saturday and just can overcome the Ducks just by their experience and talent which um, by all accounts they should be able to but um, you just really don't know how things are going to play out when it's a rivalry game like this.
1: Yeah, with Herbert, I mean, I remember two years ago, I mean, lost in the delirium of that game as UW is literally hanging 70 in Eugene. Mm-hmm. It's still an actual football game. And across across the way from Jake Browning, pointing and, and all the good stuff that was happening there, is this freshman quarterback, this lanky kid named Justin Herbert, who can kind of move a little bit, um, has two touchdowns in that game, and you're like, okay, file him away. Last year against the Huskies, mm-hmm. he's hurt. Uh, Braxton Burmeister played, who was just a, like, a, I don't even know, like, Julian Edelman playing quarterback essentially last year it was a complete joke <laughs> and now Herbert's back this year Herbert sixth in the country in yards per attempt up there with will Greer um, not not at the two o level but but uh right up there in the elite level of, of yards per attempt very accurate very efficient quarterback also six yards per carry they like to pull him out of the zone read uh he oh, is wow. He is legit. He is um, every bit the the um, NFL prospect that people will talk about him as. So it, this is uh, this is about as good of a test as it gets for the UW defense.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's scary to be honest, but uh, <laughs> I still I still gotta like our odds this weekend. I think. Yeah, if if
1: they can create turnovers and 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 cause that Oregon defense to uh, to be on the field more than they'd like to be, I I like the odds too. Um, but you know, just some guys to keep an eye on. Dylan Mitchell, kind of a, a Bobby Ingram clone for for Oregon. He's going to get a lot of oh. a lot of targets. Number thirteen there. Move the chains. Exactly. Yep. Um, Third down. Yeah. Cj Verdell is their guy, uh, physical runner, which scares me a little bit. Considering you know Benjamin had some success against us uh, three weeks ago from ASU, and then mm-hmm. that UCLA trio of running backs did did it very well uh, against us last year or last week. All of those big backs. Um, so yeah, I mean, th- th- there's plenty to 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 think about here. That you're like, huh? This uh, this is maybe a really bad matchup for for UW in terms of how Oregon likes to keep the ball, move the ball, stay stay in third and short, uh, and how UW has struggled with that um, this year and also last year.
0: Yeah, well. <laughs> I mean, at least there'll be beer at the bar, regardless of a win or a loss, right? Yeah. So. You sound like you sound like you're uh,
1: like you went to college at Pullman there with with that attitude. Um, but, I'm just uh, trying not to think about it Saturday, to be honest. Yeah. Saturday. Uh, well, that's the nice thing about a 12:30 game is that the stress uh, the stress is over quickly if it's one of those games or yeah. the uh, the joy. Uh, there's plenty of time for to uh, to let that joy seep into the rest of your life. Um, Very so true. yeah, should be fun. Um, well, I don't know if we want to get the predictions, maybe at the end of the pod, but let's, let's move on to talk about, uh, the conference this week. Uh, we got Arizona okay. going to Utah. I think that's a clear, uh, signal for UW fans or a clear direction here. Utah's just got to get it done. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you beat Utah. Keep winning. It was a great win against Stanford last week by the Utes. Just keep winning, and that, that win will look better and better as the week goes on.
1: Exactly. Uh, UCL, weeks go. UCLA at Cal, I think you know we'd like some validation here and say, oh, UCLA's pretty good. They win that game. Uh, but I think it's better if, if Cal is, is a more uh, mm-hmm. more more uh, accomplished opponent by the time you play to them here in a couple weeks.
0: Yeah, what will they be now? They'll be five and – or do they have, they have two losses now? They'll be five and two if they win this?
1: uh they this. would be four and two if they win yeah, this and then i think they did they play oregon state in between i think i've had that planned in my head
0: i don't know it helps us
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah go cal uh that, that's, a, yeah. that's a simple one there yeah it's uh it's ucla this weekend and then oregon state and then uh then UW for them in, in the next coming week so uh cal win would be okay. nice Uh, And then Boulder at USC, as you mentioned, this is a a true prove-it game for Boulder because they have played absolutely no one, uh, but they are right smack dab in the college football rankings uh, because of, of their undefeated record.
0: Six and twenty-one is what their opponents' Ooh. combined record are right now. Uh, I think we talked about it last week. There was like three and or one and sixteen or three and sixteen or something. Um, so yeah, like you said, they've not really had to prove themselves at all. And as I mentioned previously in the podcast, this was a team picked to finish eleventh in the preseason in the conference. So I'm still skeptical on the Buffs, but uh, it's always nice to see a team knock off USC. In the Coliseum, so I hope that they can get that done on Saturday.
1: Yeah, and the Pac-12 South is wide open there. Colorado at two and zero on top, Uh, but then Arizona, USC, both there at two and one. Utah down there at one and two. So by the end of this week, we could have a completely different looking Pac-12 South than we do right now. So so should be interesting there. Um, and then to the national scene from last week, uh, the big winners from last week were Notre Dame showing up to Virginia Tech having no problem uh, with, with yep. the Hokies, uh, much the Unfortunately. Of, of us for sure. Texas yep. getting it done in the Red River shootout um, in, in a wild, wild game, uh, pulling that off. Texas is probably not a, a, a key cog in the national title picture, um, but, uh, but certainly a, a program on the rise after, after that win the losers mm-hmm. auburn my god they i mean that offense yep. just it is a like atrocious and uh it's just it's it's just a real bummer that that UW couldn't get that one done in, in week 1
0: yeah i mean they were missing Bryce Love in this one with an ankle injury so um that's that's tough to to auburn manage auburn was missing um, bryce love oh i thought you're Sorry, did I totally miss you? Miss, you? Uh, did I? I thought you listed Stanford there no, for a second. I mean
1: Stanford was was a key loser. So so yeah, hang on to that Bryce Love oh. point. But yeah, Auburn, sorry, I was Auburn dropping ahead. Auburn could have had Bryce Love and still had a, a terrible offense. Um, just, yeah, just looks looks gross. Uh, and so Auburn losing in Starkville last week is uh, by
0: extension a, a not good thing for the Huskies. Yeah, they've dropped down to twenty first. They are. Eliminated from the college football playoff, I would say. Um, they still have Georgia, LSU, and Alabama on their calendars. So they could be like a 7-5, and 8-4 team by the end of this, God. which is not good for the Huskies.
1: Or but. they could turn it around and play some spoiler. But uh, by the way things are trending, That's true. Them, it does not look, That's true. look like that could be the case. No. Uh, LSU loses in the swamp last week. They're ranked fifth nationally. Uh, they moved down as a result of that. Never really thought them as, as a long-term solution in the, the playoff, but good to kind of get that one out of the way. Uh, Oklahoma as extension of losing to Texas, uh, big loss for them and their playoff hopes, especially with Notre Dame surging and then Stanford just no showing against against Utah in that fourth quarter. Uh, they're down six and then end up losing 40 to 40 to 21, I think in that game. Uh not good for Stanford who after that Oregon game was a top ten team and, and now after losing Notre Dame and, and Utah is is they're they're out of
0: the top twenty five, right? Stanford? Yeah. Uh they I think they might have snuck into like twenty fourth on the coaches. I know they're in one of the polls, but uh I mean come on, it doesn't really matter at this no. point. Um but yeah. I mean I I thought it was amazing, I mean, like I said just a minute ago, out of turn, Bryce Love was out (laughs) with an ankle injury, Uh, but as a team, Stanford ran 28 times for only 42 yards, and running the football is what they do, Um, so there's been a lot of questions this week uh, down in the Bay Area to David Shaw about what's up with the running game. he wasn't too happy about it. He said, you know, it's a system, and they adhere to the system, and people were calling for him to pass a little bit more. Um, we all know David Shaw is stubborn and smug and blah, blah, blah. I'm not a huge David Shaw fan, as you can tell. But, uh, yeah, that, that's all bad. That's all bad, 28 for 42. So um, Stanford also letting us down along with um, Auburn on that front. Yeah, some
1: some uh, some schedule help would have been nice, but uh it has not yep. not come in the recent weeks for the Huskies. No. Uh, this week uh Auburn is hosting Tennessee. That would be just I mean, it, I don't think Auburn's going to really huh. help us out, but I mean if if that happens and Tennessee walks into uh. to uh to uh to Auburn and gets that done, uh things could be real dark. Uh, so need Auburn yes. to take care of business. Uh, Georgia at LSU, especially with LSU losing last week, LSU is kind of a free agent. Um, getting that done and putting putting a notch on on Georgia's lost belt would be would be real
0: nice. Yeah, yeah, and conversely, it elim- it would eliminate LSU from the playoff conversation. But True. that will probably happen later in the season when they play the likes of Alabama and other quality opponents on their schedule. But yeah, that could, that would be helpful for yeah. sure.
1: I think that's all I got. Uh, I had West Virginia at Iowa State. Just as kind of like, um, just weird stuff happens at Iowa State. Oklahoma lost there a couple years ago. Yep. Uh, it could it could happen.
0: Yeah, I think I think Iowa State knocked off someone big last week. In fact, um, I don't have that on top of my head. You one that you did miss is with or sorry, Wisconsin at Michigan, which is a complete playoff elimination. With the losing team, we'll have two losses here, and uh, they will no longer be in the running for the playoff. Um, Sparty versus Penn State. Uh, Penn State will probably take care of this one. I think they're a 13.5-point favorite, but uh, Michigan State, every now and then they can put it together and show that they can hang with those top teams in the conference. So can't write them off, so that's another one to look for. Uh, it's a pretty good slate of games this week when you uh, – Taking into account Oregon and UW, so I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, should be should be good, uh, good weekend for it to have a 12:30 game to to kind of absorb the rest of the games uh, that come in the rest of the day. Mm. Uh, as always, Mark Jones, we're still not over it. Um, you know, where's where's Montana? You know, took one on the chin. We haven't forgotten. Yeah, uh, we're gonna banish nope. you one more time and continuously throughout the season to a game that you just don't want to go to. Uh, and uh, <laughs> who, where are you sending Mr. Jones this week?
0: I'm sending him to uh, beautiful Santa Marcos, Texas for the Georgia Southern at Texas State game, which is actually airing this Thursday on ESPNU. So I'm sure there will be a huge uh, viewership of that one. Georgia State is a 17-point favorite in this Sunbelt showdown. And, um, yeah, it's I'm not going to be watching that one at all. <laughs> Imagine trying to,
1: like, uh, hype up an audience about that game. Like, I don't know what, what yeah. strings you have to pull. Like, you could be Gus Johnson and just be – still, yeah. that game would be zero fun. Um,
0: I sent, You know you're BSing yourself the whole time. Exactly.
1: I sent, You just hear a lot of, like, sighs from from the announcer in between <laughs> plays. Uh, I sent Mark Jones to uh, to Colorado Springs, Colorado to, to watch oh, New okay. Mexico at Colorado State in a little Mountain West action. Nice. Um, yep. KJ Carter-Samuels gonna gonna be the agent of doom for for UW here. Really show uh, show uh, show Mr. Jones what what uh, he didn't really understand of how talented that there team we go. Um, KJ Carter-Samuels has has followed up. We talked about him I think week one for his performance mm-hmm. against Hawaii, just putting up numbers. Has continued to do so all year. Um, nice. I'm just gonna ask this question and then if if you say no, we'll just move on. If you have if you say yes, okay. then, then I'll ex- expand on it. Have you seen Thor Ragnarok?
0: Okay uh yes i have
1: okay so you know at the end how thor just kind of sends uh or like keeps the enemy keeps whatever her name is like there just to deal with ragnarok and like that's that's how you deal with the problem is you kind of like blow up your home to to uh
0: to solve everything i'll be honest i don't remember a lot of the details of it fantastic um, but yeah. but yes i'll <laughs> run uh, yes yes i do remember that kj carter samuels
1: <laughs> is ragnarok uh ipso facto uh we we hate Mark Jones. That's that's all I got. It it was it was, a, it was <laughs> someone out shot. there
0: that's listening will get it. They'll they'll get the they'll get the connection. Yeah, we have a sure. big big uh, Marvel Comics universe fan base for yes. sure.
1: Uh, great Definitely. cat of the week. Uh, it's it's about that time to wrap up the pod. Mm-hmm. Great cat. I I couldn't really think of anything. I mean, other, like I didn't want to be like oh the defensive line or anything because it wasn't that bad. Like it was it was just a you know a couple blips here for. For, for yeah the, for the Huskies, I, I i don't know maybe i'm i'm feeling positive this week
0: well i mean you kind of have a point peterson did say there wasn't really any big breakdowns it was just they were out executed by ucla so i get that um my great cat was obviously mark jones and then uh UW's past opponents auburn utah mm. uh sorry auburn byu and stanford all losing um so yeah, that was bad. We touched on a lot of those earlier. So that's who my great cat was.
1: Yeah, the uh, the old visor coach Gus Malzahn um, saving it for the first game and then just uh, I think I don't know it was like early vacation there for for uh, for oh, our buddy Gus. Um, not great, not great there, but I like it. We can just say Auburn, um, the the great the mm-hmm. great Tigers this week. Um, to the OKG we go because I, I truly have nothing. Um, I had Aaron Fuller who I. I Nice. Everything in my fiber of my being to not talk about him in the first 45 minutes of this podcast. Um, <laughs> Aaron Fuller with the touchdown. I thought it was really interesting. Um, so he has the fade, the fade route on the sideline for the touchdown. Uh, it's like a one-armed mm-hmm. catch, and then just beats the yeah. defender to, to walk into the end zone. The previous drive or the previous two drives, they tried it that from the exact same location, pretty much, and it just didn't work. And they almost, I think that they thought uh, Fuller got held a little bit, and then they just went back to it. Um, because they are that confident in his ability to to beat people on the outside. Um so to, to to have a receiver like Fuller who is uh capable of making those plays, but they feel so good about um compared to what we thought about earlier this year of how we worried about the the UW playmakers. Um I'm I'm just thrilled with Darren with Fuller's performance this year.
0: Completely agree. It's been a it's been a real nice development so far this season. Also, like you mentioned, probably the latest we've We've mentioned Aaron Fuller in a podcast this season. Mm-hmm. So uh, just goes to show you, he's been at the forefront of things for most of the season.
1: And part of that is because, you know, in a, any sort of adoption situation, you want to keep his name out of the deal to um, so not run into any legal problems. That's that's part of part of the <laughs> issue. Um,
0: very, very smart. To, on to move
1: man. on from that and to distract from, from my bizarre obsession with Aaron Fuller. Uh, I had Ben Curvin with another 15 tackles, 74 yep. tackles through through six games. Um, for a wow. guy who looks like he could be one of the Yell kings on the sideline, like he is, he is just a, a mighty might, uh, an absolute dynamo of a player.
0: Did you did you see he actually had to come off the field on that uh, 17 play, 90 yard drive in the second half for UCLA? Uh, he mentioned afterwards he had never been that tired defensively than he was. then. He, they got it within about the 10, and then they pulled him off and brought in Kyler Manu because he was just so gassed. Mm-hmm. Um, so. <laughs> I mean, it says one thing that you can't get out the field, but also the guy's given it his all, so I got to appreciate that. But yeah, 15 tackles, another great showing from him. Um, I expect, honestly, nothing less this coming week.
1: Honestly, yeah, so. it would not shock me if he's he's over a dozen. Uh, and my last one before we can get to, to yours was uh, Keith Price, who is the honorary captain yeah. for, for UW this week. Good yeah. to see some uh, a quarterback from an era before Peterson uh, get a little love down there in, in L.A.
0: Yeah, probably. I would say probably one of the more underrated players in the past 10 years to play for the Huskies. That I absolutely loved watching Keith Price play, absolute competitor, played through a lot of injuries. I think uh, we owe him a lot for what he did for this program to kind of turn it around and get things going in the right direction after Jake Locker kind of started that for us.
1: Definitely, yeah. So. It was a, a great stopgap um, in between kind of the, the, the locker really? era and the next era of Husky football. Mm-hmm. What do you add for, I, for my, yep.
0: yeah, for mine this week, I kind of echoed what you did for great cat. I couldn't really think of one because I didn't really think there was anybody on the Husky team worthy of great cat or the, sorry, the OKG of the week this week. Um, so I I don't have one. I, I do have a, a hat tip though, to Kentucky, who uh, suffered their first loss this season in overtime to Texas A&M 20-14. They had started 5-0 and and were in all the way up to 13th this season in the rankings, which was the first time they had been ranked since 2007. So hat tip to Kentucky, and we're still hoping that they'll knock off Georgia here, and I think that's next week, so we'll see. Yeah, Kentucky's
1: going to beat Georgia next week, and
0: it would be great if Georgia <laughs> was
1: eliminated from the playoffs in
0: a two-week span.
1: Um, because that would certainly change the outlook of of things here in Seattle um, or in Boston, where I actually am, uh, and not acting like I'm in Seattle. Um, that is uh, that is it for us as far as our regularly scheduled programming. Um, quickly,
0: prediction time.
1: Right? Let's put you on put you on lock here of, of uh, oh, man. What, what's going to happen on Saturday.
0: Um, I truly think the Huskies are going to win, but it's going to be it's going to be close and. I w- I'll say uh, let's go 38-31 Huskies.
1: I, I am with you in the the boat of, of winning. I, I think I'm becoming Dick Barrett at this point where I couldn't couldn't imagine predicting yep. anything else. Dub uh, 31, <laughs> Oregon 18 is, is my prediction. Oh, And I think okay. I think that All at right. one point – A little more breathing room. It might be like 14-6 Oregon at some point. Like they're going to start hot, yeah. weather the storm, and uh, – I don't know how Oregon gets from 14 points to 18 points, but um, uh, just just stay with yep. Me. It's it's gonna be yep. two quite... safeties. It'll be a wild ride. <laughs> it's gonna be quite the <laughs> plinko ride down uh, for for Oregon this game. So yeah, stay tuned. Uh, but I, uh, I, I I I feel good. Um, but like you said earlier, I wouldn't be surprised by anything.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: All right, that'll do it for uh, the seventh edition of our kind of pod. Go dogs, Mister Stanton.
0: Go dogs.
1: That was Michael Stan with the words, and that was Jory Fogerson's I'm a Husky Baby on the intro and outro. Go dogs! Oregon sucks. See you next
0: week. Uh-huh, don't let we exposing all teams to soul. soul. Train killing dogs who put it in this work. It's the dog pound sucker step up and get burnt Growling and walking, coming down the tunnel. Uh-oh, new wild dogs broke out of the kennel. All they want to do is run ahead. So watch out, because you about to get big. Sorry you buns in the pack can't win. we top of the pack, how it's always been.